Hello there, everybody, and welcome back to another Andor review here on Star Wars Lads. This week, we are going to be diving into Andor Episode 9, Nobody's Listening. Before we do so, though, please hit that like button down below and subscribe to our channel for continued Star Wars content. We're on the road to 1,000 subs. We're almost there, about 80 away. So if you are watching this and haven't subscribed to our channel yet, what are you doing? Subscribe right now. Help us out. Get us to 1,000 subs so we can keep giving you guys as good a Star Wars content as we possibly can. If you haven't yet, comment below. Let us know what you thought of Andor Episode 9. We'll be talking full spoilers here, so if you have not seen the episode, watch it and come back to this video. So let's dive into Episode 9 of Andor. Sonic, we had a lot of things happen in this episode that we kind of predicted. It was a slower build episode. You know, we are building to that Episode 10 prison break but this episode had some good nuggets. Nonetheless, we've divided these reviews into a couple different sections over the last few weeks. And I think we're going to keep that same structure. Let's start with Cassian, though, in the prison. That was the kind of the juiciest stuff of this episode. What were your thoughts on that angle? Yeah, I mean, I think this show has done a pretty incredible job, at least in comparison to the whole of Star Wars, in adding complexity and layers to things that we've already established, things that we've already seen. And this episode takes that a step further. We've already kind of been talking about like the industrial prison complex of the empire and how it relates to a lot of governments in the world across today. But I thought this one took a step towards reminding people that as much as there are layers and grays to Star Wars, there are good guys and there are bad guys. And the empire was very much modeled after Nazi Germany and that whole storyline here with the prison stuff now has become full out Gestapo and concentration camps. It, it was, it was pretty, I wouldn't say shocking, but I think they hit it very hard on the nail. Like there was no way you could avoid and try to like reframe it a different way. It is very much the world war II inspiration fleshed out and made a lot more darker than what anything we've seen before and or at this point he's up to his devilish means of escaping and figuring out the layouts and all this other stuff and then there's kino who's like you know stick with the program they are listening to us all this and that and you could see them like tug a war like you know they're fighting against each other philosophy wise action wise and all that but the one thing they can kind of agree with is like Olaf is a good guy you know he deserves to be out of here soon and then that realization at the very end after you know, finding out like what really happened on floor two or group two or whichever it was, um, you know, he couldn't keep up that facade anymore. It was like, you know, he can deny it. He can try to be the good person and all that. But at the end of the day, no, Cassian was right. It, <laughs> this is not something you'll escape from. You were just being rotated around. It was a clerical error that people found out that this group of people or this prisoner that was supposed to be out was placed onto another level again. It was just to recycle back in and a hundred people died for that. And I, I think Kino, if he didn't have to see, see that, if he didn't have to see Olaf, then, and then get the understanding of what was going on, then he might've been same old, same old, but it's because he's had that personal connection. He sees himself as like this old aging man. And this is literally the oldest man in the room. It's like, okay, well, <laughs> I could very easily be in that position. And I, I thought that was a very nice bow on top with him walking with Cassian, not looking at him and saying, 
like with the most like vile in his mouth, like is never more than 12. And I thought, yeah, it was, it was a very great uh, end to this part of the storyline. Yeah, definitely the most intriguing storyline throughout this episode, the one that we do focus on the most. And it, it begs a lot of questions on how this whole thing is operating this prison. So if they are releasing people and then putting them back in prison in a different area, so there must be certain floors that are completely full of people who have been re-imprisoned because otherwise, you know, if they're intermixing, people will find out. Cassian's plan is starting to kind of come together here and it's ultimately all going to come to a head. I think now that he has the support of the basically their floor captain, he's going to cover for him or let him off and, and do things. The plan will start to move more quickly into action but i really enjoyed that whole thing and, and when you have the power of an actor like andy circus it it adds to the drama of scenes like that i thought it all worked quite well so then we have on the other end what we started this episode with and was kind of mostly in the first half of this episode and it's the isb stuff with dedra and bix's interrogation and ultimately what leads into that when dedra returns to coruscant Senek, what were your thoughts on the ISB stuff in this episode. I thought it was really well plotted. And then they kind of threw like uh, Hail Mary that I was just like, oh my God, what? Like, let's begin at the beginning. It is, it was very cool to see the stuff from the trailer that was most enticing to me about Dead like giving her fish in the net speech versus Thief and all that. And it was very cool that it was like show don't tell, like, and I guess in this case, show don't hear with the, um, whatever sort of sound waves or whatever child voice from this unique exterminated species that the empire now uses as part of torture. I like that um, after Dedra's speech, it's like, okay, yeah, you know, she's, she's done her bit. She's given the door open, even if it's not a very pleasing door to walk through for Bix. And then we have Gorks who's just like, he's just like, oh, hello. Like you don't see his face the first time he like smiles. And when he turns around, he's got crazy eyes. He's he's got a creepy smile. Like it really adds to the the dialogue, the, the monologue that he gives about like the whole thing and how it works. And then we see the camera kind of pan across as Bix is forced to listen to that sound that had basically destroyed Pack in his mind. And then we don't see it. We don't we don't hear what it was. It's to our imagination. Yeah, I mean that all that stuff was cool. I like the little throwback to. I don't know if it's it's in the Force Awakens, but it's also I felt like this one lined more up with a New Hope where yeah. when Leia gets Leia. tortured, then you see the cut of the door and then people walking away. So that was all cool, and I'm liking how the machinations of like going up through the ISB structure, power structure between Dedra and her assistant, and working with the Major. Like, it's all very cool. Blevins just out of the picture. He's he's gone. I don't think we'll see him ever again at this point. And then there's that whole thing with um, Cyril. That that was that was a hail mary for me. That was just the wow. Like I, I knew he was always going to be the wild card. He's going to be almost like a vigilante in his own way. But now it's like strangely creepy and like psychotic and romantic. Like he's got this fixation on Dedra, you know, grabbing her by the arms, telling her that he waits for her outside the office. She's very unsettled. I mean, who wouldn't be? But it, it's very strange to see him clearly evil person be unsettled by someone who's just mentally ill at this point. I, I, I feel like it would be very interesting for the show to have Dedra be enticed by Cyril in this like very twisted romantic way 
especially if he begins to be more useful to her and starts doing things that other Imperials around her aren't willing to do that she needs for her goals. I'm not sure if that'll fit in the next episode or if that's something that'll play out over the final three episodes. But I, I was just not expecting that. Uh, that was very strange. And again, I, I like seeing Cyril with his mother. I love the gaslighting. I love how he played with, with her this time around too. Um, it's always like humorous in a very disturbing way, but having these two come back together supposedly a month later and then just having that very creepy tension that leaves her flabbergasted was it was certainly a way to end the story for that part of the episode yeah going back to cyril's mom too she's just the creepiest lady honestly like those scenes are so uncomfortable every single time and they, they work so well because they're so uncomfortable but yeah cyril is now turned into this just manic the crusader for what he considers justice and it, it, it's going to be really fascinating where we you know at the beginning of the show it's kind of made to seem like he is going to be pitted as the opposite of side of the coin for cassian and now he's just some psychotic person who's going to stop at nothing to try to get at cassian because he ruined his life and that is a, i think a better angle for cyril because of the character traits we've seen from him somebody who is obsessive but also kind of weak and kind of frail and timid and, and can't really command the presence that's needed to be the opposite side of the coin for somebody like Cassian and I think that the Dedra Cyril relationship if it ever actually does form or at least Cyril's like angelic vision of Dedra in his mind she can definitely use to her advantage to manipulate this guy into possibly trying to pull Cassian out or doing something that could maybe benefit her before he ultimately becomes a victim of her success and she just offs him I think that's probably going to be kind of the angle we're going at here but I really I thought that was an interesting angle too and I and I did really enjoy the interrogation stuff I think the way it does call back to episode four, especially with the fact that when we see that that probe droid that interrogation droid come towards Leia with the needle and then you cut the Vader and it's just like you don't know what happened in there. You, like you, you don't know what type of horrors Leia was subject to. And it's kind of the same thing with this headset. It's so much build up to the headset being put on, and then when it put on her, we just see her screams, very much reminiscent of Poe in Force Awakens. That close shot of when he's getting interrogated by Kylo Ren, and then cut away, and we just have to imagine what it was like for her. And she's just completely out of it, and has apparently given. Dedra every piece of information she had so uh, we can only imagine the way it works but all of it I thought was fantastic and it really uh, gets into that core of how effective the ISB are I think we've seen a lot of the ISB not bumble but like fish for information They're, they don't seem as on top of it as we kind of expect a basically dictator like state of the empire to run <laughs> like like I mentioned a couple episodes ago, the fact that this stuff is in the media, like how is how do people get access to these stories of rebellion? It, it seems odd to me, but it's also it, it's nice to see that there are angles of the ISB that are extremely effective and they are as intimidating as we've been led to believe both in canon so far, but also in 30 plus years of legends material where they are these like unstoppable forces of Imperial propaganda and, and manipulation. So I like seeing them at the top of their game, even though it's you know despicable and hard to watch. 
So then we the like kind of the the small part of this episode, Luthen is not in this episode at all. Usually we talk about Mon Mothma and Luthen, but Luthen's not in this episode. But instead we got something that was definitely a surprise, if true. We still don't really know if it's actually accurate, that Mon Mothma might be Vel's cousin. And at least she is in communication with Vel enough to know who she is. Her daughter knows who she is. It seems like this is actually a relationship. And that Bell had this is where Bell's money that was alluded to last episode came from. So that's where most of Mon Mothma's story is is put that and the money. So, so like, what were your thoughts on the politicking side of this episode? I mean, this one was more of like an add-on than a real storyline. Um, we we are working with the money and the transfer for our friend from Chandrilla, and I think that is the meatiest part compared to the Bell meeting. The Vel meeting is a lot more subtle, and I appreciated that. But the money stuff with like her now being Mon Mothma now being forced to possibly work with some thug of a banker who she doesn't respect, right? I I find that very interesting because you know, in in a few short years, she's gonna be in a room with you know Han Solo and treat him as a general with respect, and you know he's gonna show her respect, and they're gonna work together. You know, she's gonna be what. Plenty of people who were former Imperials, plenty of people who were separatists, whatever they may have been. And they're all now rebels, right? And she's still not at that point of like accepting that even some of what she has to do will have to be dirty. She's still trying to play, at least in the public eye, as clean of an image as possible, even though we see her in the Senate chamber, whatever, turning off their pods. Then she's got to go home and the things that she's trying to do in secret, you know, she can't even have some dignity there she's already lost her dignity in the public face longer than probably longer than she expects or believes but now in her private life now that she's trying to like have this one place that she has control where she can dictate the rules she can't now she's been she looks like she's going to be forced to to transfer four hundred thousand dollars and get a loan from a guy who isn't exactly her cup of tea um and I, I find that very interesting because she looks at Luthen and she doesn't like what he's doing, but she can work with that, but she can't supposedly work with this banker, which, I mean, I can't wait for this supposed interaction. It seems like this guy is skeezy, but to a degree that makes her maybe worried about her own well-being as opposed to just, oh, he's bad. I don't know. That, that'll be pretty interesting to see. Um, going to the Vel stuff, like, yeah, it was, we knew that she was a rich, spoiled girl at least that's what her girlfriend was telling her and then this episode it's like nope she's she's that and chandrillan and related to mon Mothma, supposedly it's god i honestly i think this family's gonna just go to hell like someone's gonna die like a tragic death that'll force her even closer to eventually making that final leap before the gorman massacre hell maybe her daughter becomes a political activist in the future and she's there and she gets killed which pushes her off the edge I don't know. Some, this, this family dynamic is all very interesting to me. And then adding Vel on top of that was was bold. I, I don't know if I necessarily wanted a connection there, but I think it worked out quite well. Yeah, it just it ties her more to the guerrilla aspect of the, the war that we know she ultimately will be in within the next year when she declares herself publicly a rebel to the galaxy. So just inching that character even closer to where she is. We've been talking about it a lot in our predictions videos and, and how is she going to get to that point where she's ready to be a rebel on the front lines. 
this character doesn't seem like she's there. And I think by the end of the season, we're going to get her there. But uh, yeah, their connection to Vel adds another layer too with, with Luthen. And that's never an angle I saw coming, but I think it works. And I think it will work as, you know, Vel is an expendable character as well. And so we can have that relationship furthered to the point where we could kill off Vel or have Vel do something that the bothers Mon Mothma. And she's like, I need to run the rebellion differently than yeah. these other people are running it. So I think that's all worked quite well. And the banker stuff is going to be interesting, especially with how much the rebellion deals with criminals and crime lords. I think that's, I think this banker seems to be almost pretty much a crime lord. So how does that connect? That's going to wrap it up for our review of Andor episode nine. Nobody's listening. Thank you all so much for watching. If you haven't yet liked the video down below. And like I said at the beginning, subscribe to our channel. If you haven't, we're on the road to 1000 subs. We're almost there. So every single sub really, really counts. It's the best way for you to show us that you enjoy our content and want to see more. Comment below. Let us know what you thought of Andor episode nine. And if you haven't checked out some of our other videos, we posted a lot of stuff in the last week. So you might have missed some stuff. We had the Star Wars Lads Halloween special two that came out about a week ago. And we did drop a review of Tales of the Jedi. If you've watched that show and would like to check out our thoughts for Tales of the Jedi, check that out on the channel as well. And then on Monday, we dropped our review of Death Troopers for this month's Legends Book Club, which tied into the Halloween theme of last month. Thank you all so much for watching, and we'll see you next time.